Hey, pals. Are you lazy and have some public radio nerds in your life? If yes, then the NPR shop is the perfect gift-giving solution for you. Why leave the comfort of your own home to go holiday shopping with the masses? The online NPR shop has something for everyone. Mugs, hoodies, a Nina Toten bag. So hit up shop.npr.org and get your shop on today. Jason Inafuentes is a junkie, a podcast junkie. He says he listens to, quote, an irresponsible number of podcasts. Yeah, it's irresponsible in the sense that I would absolutely, if I were all to myself and had no other responsibilities, just sit and listen to podcasts for days on end. Sometimes he says that makes it hard for him to relate to other people. Regular people? That, like, maybe they listen to Serial, and maybe every once in a while they listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on, like, the podcast because they don't catch it on the radio often <laughs> enough. Like, those people, they don't get how much I listen. They're like, wait, how many podcasts do you listen to? They're like, I can barely listen to two. And I'm like, oh, I listen to a lot. Okay, so how many podcasts do you listen to? So I'm subscribed to 100 podcasts. Actually, uh, I went through and I like weeded down, what do I actually listen to? And I came up with 80. No, uh, no, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yes, yes, yes. Jason sent me a spreadsheet with all the shows he regularly listens to. They are as follows. All Songs Considered, Amicus, Codebreaker, Criminal, The Pub, DecoDC, Freakonomics, Hack, Invisibilia, Lore, Lift Law, Penny, You didn't think I was going to read all 80, did you? No, we don't have that kind of time. I'm Lauren Ober, and from WAMU and NPR, this is The Big Listen, the broadcast about podcasts. Each week we introduce you to podcasts you might never have heard of, and we give you the inside scoop on shows you already love. I'm going to pull up. This is easily my favorite, like, who listens to this podcast? The GAO Watchdog Report. No. Welcome to GAO's Watchdog Report, your source for news and information from the U.S. Government Accountability Office. (laughs) Imagine, like, some middle manager at some government agency, and they meet with this producer from the GAO, and they just have, like, a little five-minute interview, and it always ends with, and so for our listeners... What's the bottom line? This sounds like a complicated issue. What would you say for our listeners is the bottom line of your report? And they always ask that question, and it's so fun to hear what sort of response you get. The bottom line for the American taxpayer is that during the last year, GAO continued to help the government work better, provide improved service to the citizens, and save tens of billions of dollars. Okay, so my bottom line this week to introduce you to some podcasts that will be more fun than one made by the feds. Here's something I'm pretty sure Jason hasn't listened to. So my name, Lee, L-E-E, and the first name is Sukyin, and that's spelled like Bookbin. Yeah, two O's. Do you want the bigger rooms or do you want the stack? We want the bigger rooms. Sleepover is a new show from the CBC all the way up there in Canada. It's hosted by Sukyin Lee, and the concept is pretty simple. You take three strangers who've never met each other, you stick them in a hotel room for 24 hours, and then each one brings their own problem that they want to talk about and hopefully get solved. I know, it sounds nuts, and it is. 
Let's face it, we are kind of going mad together. As everything speeds up, it's way more easy to interact online and it's much harder to find long stretches of time that we can spend together. And that's why we need a sleepover. I mean, I'm tired of staring at my laptop alone in my room, aren't you? The first time I listened to it, I thought, this is like reality TV, only for the radio, but with way less skin. Sookian Lee of Sleepover from the CBC, welcome to The Big Listen. Hello, Lauren. Okay, so, like, do you think we've gotten to the point now where we're kind of afraid of strangers? Oh, yeah, I think we've always been afraid of strangers, and that is kind of the root of so many of our phobias. Yeah. The fear of other. Because I am afraid of strangers. Like I'm not, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit that stranger danger all the way. Oh yeah. In, innate fear of others, you know, is <laughs> at the wellspring of so many of our sociopolitical dilemmas that we find ourselves in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a human condition, you know, to stay within uh safe, your mm-hmm. clan, mm-hmm. you know, your mm-hmm. brood. I mean, we like it there. It's cozy. So the idea of bringing people into a hotel room, I mean, obviously you wanted to see how people could connect with each other. But how did the specifics come about of, you know, we'll we'll take three people, we'll bring them in a hotel room. They don't know each other. They're all different types of people. And then we're going to stay there for 24 hours. Everyone's going to bring in a dilemma that they have. And then we're going to all try to solve it, Mm -hmm. you know, collectively. Well, it was kind of a combination of um, my previous show was ending. And my manager said, you know, so again, can you please pitch a bunch of things that you want to do? But there was also the ticking of the clock. They're like, we have this period of time. You must deliver the idea in two weeks. Go. (laughs) If not, too bad, too sad. Goodbye. So there was the fear of like, ah, must make something. But I think they're like some ideas come together really quickly. So this one really coalesced fast. I knew the idea of three people would be interesting. I thought this whole thing that you're talking about, about, you know, being afraid of strangers and so forth, by extension, we rarely find ourselves intergenerationally communicating with one another. So that was really important Mm -hmm. and sort of, you know, various classes and cultures and passions and dispositions and ages. I think that's really interesting. You were able to... Um, like you said, get these sort of cross-generational conversations happening. And I thought that that was the most amazing thing about the show. Hi. Hi, come on in. I brought all the stuff you told me to bring. Cool, we'll check this place out. Where should I put my bag? That's Charlie. She's eight years old. And don't worry, she brought her mom. Sachi, hello. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. How are you? I'm very well. Please come into our luxurious hotel. (laughs) Hi, Alan. You're the third to arrive. What what do you think? Um, I I don't know. There's a lot of cameras, a lot of people pointing at me. Yeah, so Charlie McGettigan is an eight-year-old girl. She's very dynamic and funny, and she's a tomboy and, and a wonderful sprite but she has a difficulty with reading so this was a very basic dilemma that she could talk about I asked the strangers to bring an object from home that has to do with a particular problem they're facing Charlie's object is thick it's yellowish and rectangular and it has her name in crayon scrawled across the front it's a book as you can see I've been trying to read it for years, 
and I can't read it. And I can only read, like, books that, like, four-year-olds are starting to read. So it's really, like, a challenge for me that I can't read chapter books and stuff. My mind or my brain doesn't work like other brains. I don't know. What's the worst part of not knowing how to read? Well, all these kids at school, we have independent reading. And all these kids are reading, like, synced into their books. And I'm like, why won't this happen to me? One of my friends with a big, thick, thick, his Stilton book. And I'm like, how do you read that? And she's like, you're only on that level. Yeah, I am. I'm like, what the hell? Really friends say that? When they see I'm not reading, they're like, they make faces at you? They make faces and stuff, yeah. Oh, man. That sucks. So it's a big challenge for me. And if I had, like, a wish, I would definitely wish to read, to know how to read. Would you please try to read The World of Pooh? And let's see what that sounds like. Let's see. I'm, no, I'm not going to judge you. You're in front of adults? You're not going to. No, no, no. Just try. I'm even embarrassed to read in front of my mom. Fine. She came to a very difficult word and chucked her stupid Winnie the Pooh book across the room and it hit the ottoman. (laughs) And she's in the room with Sachi Cole, who's a very opinionated, quote unquote, brown feminist writer, Mm going to speak her mind and, you know, insult people. (laughs) <laughs> and she's funny and you know Sachi was had this, this great realization maybe the book is really boring and tedious and maybe you don't want to read it I've read this book and I don't like it so I'm not sure you're wasting your time trying to read it for nothing happens it's about a bear who doesn't wear pants I don't like it either that's fine okay. but that's what I'm saying okay, well, yeah. one second I think your biggest problem Charlie is that you feel bad that you can't read if you stop feeling bad about it I think well, I don't know. I don't know. What do I know? Well, a good way to stop feeling bad about it is to let go of the thing that's making you feel bad. And then actually we hear her her read and she's not too shabby. Right. You know, she's actually it, it actually unfolds a different thing. And that's that she's really hard on herself. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is universal. And I found that both Charlie and Ty Poole, he was a nine year old fella who was right, like the math math genius. Yeah, math genius. He loves he loves numbers. And he's also, you know, very thoughtful fella. My name is Ty and I am nine years old. One of my favorite things is math. It just identifies the world around us, really. If you think of it, like math is like the 2D thing of humanity and science is 3D, which I also like science. So once you can do math, then you can learn the building blocks and then build up through science and then do anything. He was wrestling with, you know, how to collapse the distance between him and his ailing grandpa who lives in New Zealand who is um, dying of cancer. He's taking chemotherapy now just to like blow up the cancer cells and it's really not going well. It's just really horrible. And the worst part is that he's alone. There's no one there to help him. A, how can he foster a relationship being so far away? And then B, how can he accept death? These are big questions, and, yeah. you know, I, I have a great, great respect and love for children, and um, in the context of sleepover, they were the ones who could, like, call a spade a spade. 
mm-hmm. and like call adults out on when they were, you know, waffling or being obtuse, hard to understand, confusing. The kids would just like go make a fortin in the closet because like right. you guys are boring. <laughs> Right, right. Like you're just saying dumb stuff right now and I have better things to do. (laughs) Yeah, Um, exactly. And then we're like, okay, let's refocus this. There was one moment that really struck me when Ty uh, gave Judy a little picture. (laughs) And it was like, it was the most lovely thing. I I mean, maybe you can talk about that moment. Yes. So Judy is a senior. Uh, She has a a neurological disease that um, makes her have to get around in a wheelchair. She's a very dynamic woman. She's living in a senior's home and she finds other people kind of a little bit more dull and retiring, but she's got a lot of zest for life and Mm -hmm. Judy wants romance, but she's finding she can't get her chair into bars. It's hard to meet people. So she was really having a tough time there. What's that? Ty drew me a picture. Judy's face lights up. She's looking at a drawing on hotel stationery that Ty made of Judy in her wheelchair beside a stick man. And they're surrounded by hearts inside a giant heart with the words, it can happen. I drew a possibility. It's just supposed to be you in a horribly drawn wheelchair with, you know, a man you guys have both found in love. I am so touched. So, uh, so what do you, do you know what became of the guests' problems? Yeah, I do. So I checked in. I checked in with all of the guests after, after all the sleepovers were done, because I was curious. And I was really struck by the fact that, yes, so, like at least 30% of the guests, there were finite things. So with Judy, she realized that it was her mindset that she had become jaded and that she needed to flirt with life, not necessarily, you know, flirt with a human, but flirt with life, make a nice dinner, go out to see, you know, a museum, go out to a movie. And in changing her her kind of joie de vivre, she attracted two dates. Like uh, one is a guy she met at the senior's home who was visiting his dad. So she's like 20, he's 20 years younger. And then there's another guy she met with a sports car. But, you know, Judy, she does Papa wheelies and can go really (laughs) fast on her wheelchair. So she does like circle eights around him. (laughs) So she was like super, you know, brimming with joy and newfound kind of romance and kicking up her heels. In the hands of someone different, this could have looked and felt and sounded very different. It it had a real genuine feel to it or like an there was a feeling of um, their interactions that felt very natural. And I just wanted to compliment you on that because it could have been really like reality TV and gross, you know? It could have been horrible. It could have been a mud wrestling pit. Or at worst, it could have been like Dr. Phil or Oz or Oprah. Even worse than the Tacky Town version of reality TV is the kind of like the expert advice. Right. It's really condescending and horrible. Right. So really, everybody's part of this sort of social experiment. Um, And I I also think sometimes we undermine our ability to reach out and and connect with one another. Oftentimes... You know, people have an innate ability to help one another and wish mm-hmm. to. Suki and Lee, host of Sleepover from CBC, um, thank you so much for hanging out with us on The Big Listen and uh, sharing all the secrets of Sleepover. Thank you, Lauren. 
So Tian Lee is the host of Sleepover from the CBC, our good pals to the north. Do you want to have a slumber party with Sook Yin? I do. Then head on over to our virtual pajama jammy jam, biglisten.org, for more details. As I mentioned earlier, Sleepover is a show that our podcast obsessive, Jason Inofuentes, had never heard before. So I asked him to have a listen and see if Sukian's experiment might make it onto his extensive playlist. So I was actually a little worried. Uh, I thought that this might be a little bit of a challenge just because uh, I, I'm not... Because you don't, don't like know. Canadians? Is that, is that really what it's exactly. going to? Well, I didn't know. I wasn't sure. For some reason, like, the fact that it was a CBC show hung out for me. And I was like, ah, uh, okay. okay. All right, let's so you, get, you had to get over, you had to get over your bias. Yeah. I mean, well, the show is all about people, you know, overcoming challenges. And so this was a challenge for me. And so it was fun to cuddle in, get a little blanket, bedroom, just like they were doing, you know, in a little circle and listening to the show. And I, I thought it was great. Um, I was really impressed by the diversity of the characters and their stories, both you know, age, ethnic background and the sorts of problems that they were bringing to the table. And then I really loved the fact that sleepover is all about problems that you can literally put into a bag and carry with you into a hotel room. I really was impressed. I really enjoyed it. And I was really sucked in to that first episode. And so as soon as we're done, I'm going to go listen to the whole of that series. And then before you know it, I'm going to be listening to this every week. Jason, you thought you could just listen to 80 shows regularly? Oh, no. You're listening to 81 now. You're welcome. Anyway, if you have thoughts about Sleepover or any of the shows you hear on The Big Listen, don't just keep them to yourself. No, let me know about them. Shoot me a tweet. I'm at Listen. That's H-E-A-R, Big Listen. We're going to take a quick break now, but when we come back, we're going to get even nerdier than a guy who mainlines nearly 100 podcasts. We're going deep geek with the women of Nerdette. If you're a curious, interesting person, then you're probably passionate about a multitude of hobbies or interests, and so you're a nerdette about something. So it's actually kind of a gender-neutral term. Okay, right. Like a, like a, you're, so we're talking about like a wee nerd. Exactly, yeah. That's coming up in a few hot seconds on The Big Listen. Stick with us. This is NPR. Support for The Big Listen and the following message come from Goldman Sachs. Get insights from some of the world's leading thinkers on markets, industries, and the global economy on the firm's podcast, Exchanges, at Goldman Sachs. You'll hear discussions on topics with far-reaching implications like climate change, autonomous driving, the future of China's economic growth, plus much more. That's Exchanges at Goldman Sachs, available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play, and at gs.com slash podcasts. Hi, my name is Sabrina DePest, and I live in Baltimore, Maryland. Recently, I've been listening to the NWAP podcast, That's Negroes with a Podcast. I love the show because it feels as if I'm in my living room listening to my closest friends talk about current events ranging from sports to police brutality. It was like, it's come to the point now where if you are away from Twitter for more than 
30 minutes and you're coming away back from to the internet shooting. for more than 30 minutes. You're coming back to a shooting. I like to listen when I'm sitting and in traffic, usually on my way to work, or when I want and feel I need the energy of powerful black men, figuring out how to navigate their lives living in a world that doesn't necessarily love them back. I recommend this podcast to anyone who doesn't get offended by foul language or hearing the voices of educated, intelligent, and insightful black men living in America. Welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and I want to know what's tickling your eardrums these days. Call us on the pod line and leave a message with your show recommendation. The number is 202-885-POD1. That's 202-885-7631. Leave a message with all your podcast hopes and dreams, or just a review would be fine. Now, remember Jason, our podcast junkie friend? He is unequivocally a nerd. Like, there's just no disputing that. And our next guests will tell you that's a good thing. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And this is the Nerdette Podcast. Greta Johnson and Trisha Bobita are the duo behind the podcast Nerdette from WBEZ in Chicago. The pair have elevated nerding out on topics like comic books, feminism, and Doctor Who to a high art. Greta, what? New doctor. Yes, Trisha, we'll get there. Greta and Trisha, welcome to The Big Listen. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Hey. Um, Can you please tell us what a nerdette is, is it just a lady-identified nerd? Is it, in some way, is it different than, like, a geekette? Please tell me about this word. <laughs> so we wanted a word that both sort of gave a nod to the audience that we are nerds and we are women, but we also like to think of it more in the diminutive sense, so everybody's a little nerdy about something. Oh. So if you're a curious, interesting person, then you're probably passionate about a multitude of hobbies or interests, and so you're a nerdette about something. So it's actually kind of a gender-neutral term. Okay, right. Like a, like a, you're, so we're talking about like a wee nerd. Exactly, yeah. Tell me how this lovely little gem came about. The genesis is Trisha and I were both working in, at WBEZ in the newsroom. Trisha was reporting, and I was the weekend host and also doing some reporting. And I think really we were just too awkward to like actually become adult friends with each other. (laughs) And so essentially we crossed paths enough to be curious about each other and each other's interests, I think. And what happened was my friend Liz was coming to visit from Alaska and I knew Liz and Trisha would really love hanging out with each other, partly because they're both super obsessed with Doctor Who. Uh. And so like three weeks before Liz got to town, I had made reservations at this brunch spot for the three of us to hang out. And it was at that brunch where just among talking, we were like, you know what? I think we should probably just make a podcast. So you used your friend as bait. I totally used my friend as bait. Yeah, I I do it all the time. It works out really well. (laughs) Yeah, that was the very first time we had hung out outside of the office at all. Yeah, we met up for brunch on Easter Sunday, and by the third week of May, we were making a podcast, and we made one a week for the next... Basically for the next two years, yeah. (laughs) That is a nerd hustle if I ever heard one, for sure. Um, So you have a lot of great guests, people who are culture makers, I guess they're, you know, on TV, they're musicians, they're artists. Basically, the the conceit is that you want to talk to people who are making cool stuff that you like about their own obsessions. Exactly. That's a great way of putting it, yeah. 
how do you even find those people? Because maybe some people that are making cool stuff that you like, like they're just real boring. <laughs> you know, we haven't really encountered that yet, but I guess it could happen. Um, for us, the fun thing about the first couple years of the show, we were more or less doing it sort of on our own, is that uh, it was just based on our own interests. So the booking calendar was the people who we wanted to talk to, our favorite authors, our favorite artists, as many astronauts as we could possibly get our hands on. <laughs> You're listening to Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. And I'm Trisha Bobita. This week, we're talking to Kathy Sullivan. She was one of NASA's first female astronauts. She flew on three shuttle missions during her 15 years in NASA, including the mission that deployed the Hubble Space Telescope. So if you've gawked at gorgeous images from the Hubble Telescope, you have Kathy Sullivan to thank for that. I'm the girl who, as the littlest kid she can remember, basically geeked out about the planet. And that sounds outrageously broad and bold, but awfully close to the mark, starting with magazines and books and maps and things like that that are accessible to you in the 50s and 60s at age 6 and 8 and 10, but quickly became fascinated by, you know, expeditions that I would read about that, wow, people actually did. People planned trips and climbed mountains or went to the jungle or figured out ways to build craft that would take them deep into the ocean or all the way to the moon. That whole process, how do you even imagine doing that? And how do you then imagine what kind of gear, what kind of equipment, what kind of a craft it would take? And then how do you not just imagine it, but how do you translate that imagination through engineering into something real and then go do it? We figure if somebody has made a career, especially not just made one thing, but often has made a career out of doing something interesting or or made a multitude of pieces of culture that we like, that we want to hear the stories behind the things they make. We want to hear the things that inspire them. And those have just been really fun conversations to have. And and there's no shortage of people for us to talk to because the show spans subcultures. So we don't just talk about comic books or just talk about video games or just talk about books. We talk a little about everything. Um, I want to know who wanted to talk to Catelyn Moran, the amazing feminist writer, because that episode was so good. That was me. I made the sell to Trisha for that one. And that was actually a really funny one because I read both of the books as prep. Normally what happens is I read the books and Trisha does like the deep internet dive when it comes to <laughs> I preparing. I do the dossier. And so so Trisha knew a fair amount of Catelyn, but I think especially having listened to her audiobook, I was so excited about this interview. And I tried to communicate to Trisha how incredible she would be. But I think it wasn't until all three of us were in, was it in this exact room? Yeah. That, you know, it was like, and then, you know, we left with Catelyn and Trisha was just like, oh, okay, I get it. Here's some motivational homework from Catelyn Moran. I had this thing and I didn't realize that not everybody did it, that when you're falling asleep at night, that you just imagine your perfect future, just kind of like where you want to be in five years time. And mine was always walking into a show business party in London where Oscar Wilde and Dorothy Parker and H.L. Mencken would be. And they would all just go, dear love, you've done it again. Amazing. And I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I'd done it again. And I was wearing a beautiful green velvet dress. Um, and that um, I had a small dachshund uh, called Eric, who was, who was my best friend. <laughs> and, that, you know, from the age of 12 onwards, however awful and miserable my life was, I was like, that's what I'm heading towards. I want to be at a party like that. And it hasn't 
yet quite happened but knowing that that was the kind of place that I wanted to be and those are the kind of people I wanted talking to me allowed me to make a lot of decisions very easily all the way through my life because every time someone said do you want to do this job or do you want to go here or do you want to go out with me or would you like to take this I would just go does it take me nearer to the point where Dorothy Parker and a Dachshund called Erica saying you've done it again at a party and that makes it very so so dream a dream tonight of where you would like to be in five years time that would be my homework Show, tell, dream of your perfect night and then and then make a vow that you'll move every day a little bit closer towards it. Callum Moran, it has been such a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, it's been so lovely being here with you dirty, brilliant, nerdy ladies. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> I'm wondering, um, do all of your guests self-identify as nerds or have you ever come across <laughs> anyone who's like, yeah, I'll be on your show, but I'm like not really a nerd? It is part of the sell sometimes to explain our version of the word nerd, because I think especially there's a generational gap to how that word gets used. The most prominent example is probably that Peter Sagal, host of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, came on our show and actively challenged the premise that being a nerd was a good thing. When I was a young nerd, it was not a term of approbation. No one ever walked around and said, hey, I'm a nerd or whatever. (laughs) And these days, it's become a word meaning enthusiast, maybe even fanatic, maybe expert. I've met people who call themselves sex nerds. <laughs> There's a woman, actually, who has the Sex Nerd podcast. Yes, Sandra. Sandra, yeah. My attitude toward this is, A, when I was a young nerd, being a nerd meant you didn't have sex. <laughs> so sex nerd is an oxymoron. And secondly, <laughs> I'm actually serious about this. Imagine you're a gay man, say, in your 60s. And you're looking around and you're seeing these wonderfully happy out gay kids in their 20s or even 30s and they're having wonderful lives and they're out and they're just enjoying the freedom to be out and gay. But you're a 60-year-old gay man and you look at them and you're like, I'm very happy for them. But when I was their age, I was closeted, I was persecuted, it was tough, it was difficult, it was a struggle, it was hard to find people like me. That's how I feel looking at you young people calling themselves nerds. I'm very happy for you that you can walk around (laughs) with your little flask that says polyjuice potion and show it to people with pride. I believe you're familiar with this particular brew. If I had done the equivalent in like 1975, (laughs) I would have gotten beaten up behind the high school. It got better. It did get better. It did get better. And I'm happy that it's gotten better for you guys. Just my message to you all is that there was suffering involved in your liberation, okay? I feel like nerd is synonymous in your context with passionate. So we're talking about a real deep, deep love for a particular thing. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay. So I'm worried that I don't like anything. (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, I I was trying to think like, yeah, I want to be a nerd. Like, what am I nerdy about? And I like (laughs) could not. I couldn't think of anything. Well, maybe it's not a lifelong nerd passion, but I bet there's moments when you sort of obsess for a little while about something, like binge watching a TV show or oh, well, sure. getting really into sure. a, you know, a hobby and then abandoning it six months later. But for six months, I you wish. were a knitting nerd or for six <laughs> months, you were a Mad Men nerd. Um, I mean, I do I do watch a lot, like an embarrassing number of hip hop dance choreography, um, like cla- like classroom. All right, we ready to go. Classroom. The thing is, like, I'm 37. Like, I'm never, I'm, I'm never gonna end up in a re-re video, you know. <laughs> so I'm not even trying to learn the dance. It's not for professional development that you're watching the hip hop choreography. <laughs> 
You're just obsessing. No. I there do. You go. I bela- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lauren, you're a nerd. I, I am actually really excited to break this to you. You're a nerd. I feel like so much better. <laughs> like now I can join the nerd surgeons. That's so funny. How long did it take? Like 45 seconds of you talking about well, what you liked? We found it. <laughs> I am a dilettante is really what it comes down to. And so I like a lot of different things. I like to call that a renaissance nerd. Yeah. Not to be confused with people who are nerds about the renaissance. It can be confusing. <laughs> That's that's an important distinction. I think it's the whether or not the R is capitalized. Yeah, and whether or not turkey legs are involved. <laughs> turkey legs are also a crucial indicator for sure. Well, uh, Trisha and Greta, it's been so fun having you on the show. I'm so glad you guys uh, were able to make the time for us. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you, Lauren. This was super fun. Total nerds, right? Greta Johnson and Trisha Bobita are the most excellent hosts of Nerdette from WBEZ. To learn what other stuff they're nerding out about, head on over to BigListen.org. And if you want to let me know what you're getting your nerd on about, shoot me a tweet. I would love to hear about it. I'm at HearBigListen. That's H-E-A-R Big Listen. It's time for another break, but when we come back, we'll talk to Jesse Thorne of the show Bullseye about his beard, naturally, because this is public radio and men have beards. Well, my beard inspiration. Your beard inspiration? Yeah, my beard inspiration. I think that's actually short for beard perspiration, which is really nice. <laughs> that's coming right up on The Big Listen. Don't go anywhere. This is NPR. Hey, pals. I have some pretty exciting news for you. Our friends at NPR's stellar podcast about all things cool and current, Pop Culture Happy Hour, asked me to come on their show and talk about podcasts. Fun! We dished on veteran shows, both big and small, and we gabbed about some of the best newcomers of the year. And we had a real blast doing it. Seriously, those folks are a lot of fun. You can find our great big 2016 crossover episode at biglisten.org podcasts and at the NPR One app. Hi, my name is Ponzi. I live in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Recently, I've been listening to Here Be Monsters. I like this show because the stories make me feel like I'm having a staring contest with something creepy or gross or frightening. I'm truly anti-God, and I have taken their mark, Satan 666, and it's burned on my internal soul. I'd recommend this podcast to anyone who likes questioning people or groups that they don't know very much about. Hey friends, I'm Lauren Ober and this is The Big Listen. Want to recommend a podcast to us? Call us on The Pod Line. It's 202-885-POD1. It'll be so fun. You know what else is fun? Maximum fun even. This next segment. It's called Listen Up and it's the part of the show where we grill your favorite pod people producers, reporters, hosts, about what they are listening to. Today, I have the great pleasure of being joined by Jesse Thorne, host of Bullseye from Maximum Fun and NPR. It's Bullseye. Now, Jesse's been making podcasts since before podcasts were cool. Way before. He started podcasting his radio show in 2004 when phones were still just phones and not also computers and radios and heart monitors. 
Since then, he built a formidable crowdfunded podcasting network called Maximum Fun. He's also a really nice guy. Jesse Thorne, welcome to The Big Listen. Of course. Thank you for having me. All right. So before we get into what you're listening to, I want to know what you're wearing right now. Oh, wow. I am wearing uh, I'm wearing blue jeans today. I don't want to disappoint anyone. They are uh, Nigel Kayborn blue jeans. They're <laughs> Japanese-made, British-designed blue jeans. And I'm wearing a, a double RL work shirt that I bought at the flea market. And uh, uh, Doc Martin's uh, pebble grain chukka boots. You know, the reason, obviously, why I asked you what you're wearing, um, and and this is a podcast and no one can actually see, um, but it was because I love that you have a menswear side hustle. Yeah. <laughs> it's Frankly, it's barely a side hustle. If you if you knew about the money in public radio, you would say, go into, <laughs> please, by all means, pursue menswear. Um, yeah, I have, I write a, uh, or a, these days mostly don't write. These days mostly edit or am the publisher of a blog called Put This On about menswear. In the same vein, I want to know more about, um, can we talk about your beard? Well, my beard inspiration comes from a couple of places. Your beard spiration? Yeah, my beard spiration. I think that's actually short for beard perspiration, which is really gross. <laughs> um, my beard inspiration comes from a weak chin. <laughs> you know, honestly, the truth is the reason that uh, the reason that I've let it grow long is that I, I only figured out that I could wear a beard when beards were really on the far edge of the downslope of uh, coolness, mm-hmm. and so. I figured I do still want to have a beard because I've always wanted to have one and because it covers up my weak chin. And so if I was going to have one, I should probably just have a crazy one. Uh, <laughs> so people know that I'm sort of in for a penny and for a pound, you know? <laughs> do, you, do you think we'll ever have another bearded president? I think I'll probably be America's you first will. bearded president. Yeah, you I'm not be. 35 okay. yet, so I'm not qualified, but um, I'm getting there. I'm almost there. I mean, listen, you you basically have created an empire for yourself uh, in the Maximum Fun network. And so you're not like, I mean, you're not that far off from the presidency. So speaking of Max Fun, um, it, it is an empire because to, by my count, you have like 25 properties. You have, is that correct? That sounds right to me. That's about right. You've lost count. <laughs> I don't have like tally marks on my cell wall. Um, yeah, it's something like it's something like twenty five. Yeah, like you have your hand in a million projects. It seems. Um, are you listening to shows? Are you listening to podcasts outside of of your own network? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I try not to listen. I don't want to mess with people's shows. Like I feel like their vision is what's important. So it's not mm-hmm. like I'm listening to every show on the Max Fun Network and like giving people notes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I walk the dog or the dogs, I should say, yeah, I absolutely listen to non Max Fun shows. I mean, by no means exclusively, but yeah. So what uh, what's in your playlist uh, these days? Uh, I just listened to a totally amazing show called the Beef and Dairy Network. Um, it is a British show that my friend Josie Long, who's a very brilliant British stand-up comedian, recommended to me. 
Hello and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved or just interested in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. Basically, it is uh, it's a comedy show uh, that is presented as a podcast about the beef and dairy industry. Oh my god. Um that exists in this whole elaborate magical world. <laughs> like this it's completely brilliant. It's completely insane. It's really funny. Now it's time for the beef forecast. Strong beef in the south, beef of plenty in the north, coastal beef stationary and fine. And the milk prices, semi-skimmed is up four against skimmed with gold top topping out at a thousand yen. Yogurt and cream are pegged to the dinar and the creme fraiche is fresh. Uh I I love 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 listening to my friend Tom Sharpling's show The Best Show. Mm-hmm. Um which is sort of like a is both a, an alternative talk version of talk radio and a kind of deconstruction of talk radio. All right. Yes. Yes, indeed. I'm being told the best show can begin. The long wait is over. We are back. Part of the premise is always not being able to tell what Tom does or doesn't actually believe in and features these extended telephone calls. Best show, you're on the air. Hey, Tom. How you doing? I'm good. Who's this? Uh, this is Thaddeus out in uh, Oldbridge. Thaddeus in Oldbridge. Yeah, these yeah. people call in uh, who all turn out to be characters played by the drummer of Superchunk, John Worcester. Um, I've been listening, the last, just the last few weeks, I've been listening to this show called Doughboys, which is these two L.A. comedy guys, uh, Nick Weiger and Mike Mitchell. And it's like, uh, it's a show about junk food but it's also a weird comedy show where they both take the subject of junk food absurdly seriously and don't pay any attention to it at all sort of in turns so right now they're trying to determine the world's best burger in something called munch madness tournament of champions (laughs) burger battle this week on doughboys munch madness 2016 the tournament of champions burger brawl continues with shake shack Versus Wendy's. Let's go. This is what happens on the show. They have two. They have two different burgers, and they rate them on a scale of one to ten basketballs for for uh, bun slash condiments, burger slash flavor, and creativity slash presentation. I'll give five guys. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sloppy. I mean, and it's not super creative. It's good. But it's pretty sloppy. I'm going to give it six and a half basketballs. But then at the end, you decide which burger you would prefer to send to the aliens. And you have to pick which aliens you are sending them to. And it represents the best burger that the Earth is capable of. Now, gentlemen, do we have an alien? I've started recently listening to the New Yorker Radio Hour. I mean, I really love the New Yorker as an idea uh, and as a thing. You know, David Remnick, who's the editor of The New Yorker, hosts the show, and he couldn't be more brilliant of a human being. Uh, His radio presentation is basically like the most ridiculous self-parody of a Northeastern intellectual ever. (laughs) And, like, I know that I kind of come off that way, too. I know from feedback from people, but I feel almost, almost feel a little bad for him. But he's so brilliant. I mean, like, he really does a wonderful job. Welcome to The New Yorker Radio Hour. I'm David Remnick. Now, for many years... I've been reporting from Russia, living there in the late 80s and early 90s as a reporter for the Washington Post, and returning for reporting trips ever since. In the 90s, when big Boris Yeltsin was in power, 
I was hanging out with some friends, and I met a funny, smart young woman in the New York Times Bureau named Sarah Koenig. She wasn't long out of school, but it was very, very clear that she had everything it takes to become a first-class reporter. But who knew what kind? Sarah Koenig became the co-creator and the host of Serial. I love On the Media, another WNYC show. This is On the Media. I'm Brooke Gladstone. And I'm Bob Garfield. Um, That's a show that I listen to to every week without fail, and I, I really wish that there was more public media that had the level of... Um, uh, insight that On the Media has. When you listen to Cuba coverage, you'd be forgiven for thinking there's a style guide specifically for covering this country. Well, if there weren't one already, we're making one now. First of all, how to describe the location of Cuba. You could say a small island in the Caribbean, or probably just assume that most people know where it is. But that would be to neglect the key factor of any Cuba story, namely its relation to the United States. If only there were a way to mention the U.S. while cleverly juxtaposing the geographical proximity with the ideological distance. Cuba lies just 90 miles from Miami, but worlds apart. Two countries that are separated by a mere 90 miles, but worlds apart. Countries separated by a mere 90 miles, though seemingly worlds apart. Countries separated by a mere 90 miles. I like that they interrogate what's going on in the world um, Mm -hmm. in a very thoughtful, considered way. Um, Mm -hmm. They've done some really, really amazing work. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Jesse Thorne, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. It's been really fun. We've hit on a lot of topics and... uh, I appreciate I appreciate that um, that we were able to go all different places today. Thanks so much. Of course, thank you. Jesse Thorne is the host of Bullseye from Maximum Fun and NPR. To find out more about any of the shows Jesse recommended, check out BigListen.org. It's got the links. Well, don't be sad. We've almost reached the end of this week's episode. But before we let you go, it's time for my favorite and yours. C-H-A-R-T-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y. Chartography is our 60-second mapping of the iTunes charts. But we're not looking at number one or even number 100. We're looking at number 289. And this week's 289 is a show called Jalen and Jacoby. It is a sports show. From ESPN. And apparently, because I had no idea who these guys were before, because I don't really pay attention to sports all that much. Uh, apparently, Jalen Rose what up, uh, is a former NBA basketball player turned sports commentator. And David Jacoby yes, sir. is his co-host. And he is just like a dude who is a, like a sports writer or broadcaster. And it's kind of... Um, a mixture of sports and pop culture, and their tagline is, We give the people what they want. We give the people what they want. I mean, this show isn't necessarily what I want, but it's probably what sports nuts want because it's really, um, it seems like it's a really good mix of what's happening in all of the sort of major sports worlds, but also 
Uh, Jalen Rose has great perspective, I think, because he used to be an athlete. I have more championships and MVPs than those guys put together. Um, <laughs> they talked for a long time about whether or not um, this professional basketball team, when they when in the offseason they went to Miami and Las Vegas for team bonding, whether or not they actually did any sports stuff. And Jalen Rose said, of course they did sports stuff. Do some drills, we're gonna get in the gym, we're gonna watch some tape. David Jacoby's like, hold on. Do you think they really worked hard? Do you think they really watched tape? No, they went to strip clubs. They just partied. So that was pretty fun. So if you're into sports and you were previously a fan of Grantland, which is where these folks came from, then uh, yeah, check out Jalen and Jacoby. Some dudes talking about sports. Guess what? The Big Listen is a podcast. Yeah, you already knew that. But have you subscribed to the show? Well, you should. Hit subscribe on iTunes or NPR One or wherever you listen to great podcasts. And while you're at it, review us. It really helps other neat folks like yourself find us. So thanks in advance. And as always, we love listener feedback. We're on Twitter at HearBigListen. That's H-E-A-R Big Listen. We also just heard about this cool thing called email, and we have an account. It's biglisten at wamu.org. Snail mail correspondence still appreciated and encouraged. The show today was produced, mixed, and edited by Jacob Fenston. I, Lauren Ober, was out walking my dog. Special thanks to Lion Tamer-in-Chief Beck Feldhouse Adams. David Schulman composed the theme music. Other music in the show came from Army-Navy, the band, not the store, The Big Listen is produced by WAMU and is distributed by NPR in Washington, D.C., capital of America. And now a final word from Jason, our podcast mensch, about what we heard on today's show. What I want to know is, uh, were either of these podcasts as riveting as the Government Accountability Office Watchdog Report? Did you listen to this Government (laughs) Accountability Watchdog Report? What if I, I, do you want an honest answer? I do want an honest honest answer. Okay, the honest answer is not yet. You should listen to this week. (laughs) It was an excellent, excellent piece. Um, The government accountability, (laughs) I'm going to defend this. This is going to be on my gravestone. (laughs) It was a husband, father, (laughs) single solitary listener of the government accountability (laughs) office podcast. (laughs) You know... I don't think we need to mock great works, and this is a great work. We've recommended that DOJ document its monitoring plan, and we'll track the department's progress. You heard it here first, pals. The GAO Watchdog Report is a podcasting masterwork. The U.S. Government Accountability Office. Till next time, keep listening, America. This is NPR. NPR.